what a ride to get to today. It's been a little bit of a, a roller coaster. These were more than bunny hops that college football and Notre Dame have dealt with. Yes, they're going to play. No, they're not. At times, we just didn't know. When the other conferences were deciding to cancel, uh, it was huge to just, you know, have faith. Notre Dame did keep that faith. They took the precautions. They made the sacrifices. Because this is what they lived for. 30 years of being a head coach, I, I really had a hard time envisioning not playing because I didn't know anything else for 30 years. But now it, it's hard to imagine that we've gotten here. <laughs> yep, we did get here. It feels so great to actually get to game week. And today, it feels great to get to game day. And it feels great for us to be with you, getting you set for Notre Dame and Duke. Live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. No spring practice and off-season unlike any other. School back in session, then school going virtual a few weeks, then back in session again. But through it all, Notre Dame football has stayed relatively COVID-19 free, and that has allowed the most unpredictable, most unprecedented season of Notre Dame football to at least reach the starting gate. Today, Notre Dame opens the season not against Navy, but against Duke, and it's a conference opponent because this season only Notre Dame football is a member of the ACC. It's 2020 after all. Why not? Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. So glad to be with you this morning. Joined as always by former St. Joe High School and Elkhart Memorial football coach Kevin Downey. We are excited to welcome back our listeners from the last two years on 95.7 FM in Michiana, but also welcome in new listeners from the Fort Wayne area. Joining us this morning, we are broadcasting on Redeemer Radio 106.3 FM as well. So thank you to all of you tuning in in Northeast Indiana. Kevin, what a strange day this is, but it's great to have uh, Notre Dame football back. Oh, I don't say it lightly. Thank God for game day and that we have a Notre Dame football game today. And I do think uh, just with how fragile everything is, we really should enjoy every single day. So this is going to be a great one. You, you mentioned how fragile things are. Virginia, Virginia Tech scheduled for next Saturday just got canceled wow. uh, or moved. We don't know exactly when. Um, Virginia, it's a weird. Their schedules, they have an open date the week after. They weren't scheduled to play today. They're not set to open the season as of right now until October 3rd against Clemson. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, and the impact now being in a conference and the same people playing the same people, you just never know with this whole COVID thing who's going to be affected. Well, and you, so you have potentially um, – Virginia opening their season on October 3rd while potentially Notre Dame would be on their fourth game wow. and then the same conference that's that could be what 2020 is about uh, the one thing we could say is as a hope for positivity is everything is running smoothly so for the far. most part in in high school football true so hey let's Very let's look positive. at the positive in that end and hopefully that that'll be the case moving forward all right on tap on this morning's show our focus on faith segment is with former Irish offensive lineman now ESPN radio host Mike Golick Jr. had his mom and dad on in the past now Jr. joins us later in the show we will of course break down the matchup with Duke today very good corners good defensive ends and a new quarterback transferring from Clemson Dalen Hayes is a captain this year one year ago was supposed to be his final year at Notre Dame he got hurt uh, the last year boy has he changed both on and off the field as a later just a leader just has improved in so many ways his explanation about that from where he's come from a year ago, a must-listen to in the next segment. We'll break down how we think the Irish will do this season in 11-game season, 10 conference games in the ACC. But let's start with uh, the lack of game day atmosphere, maybe, Kevin. Uh, Going to be real different, just students, faculty, staff, and players, parents. No more than 15,000 people, maybe 10 to 12, not exactly sure. No alums or local fans in attendance. Usually when I'm driving in over here, we're in the shadow of the Golden Dome at the 95.7 Studios. There's usually tailgating going on already uh, just six hours before the game. There's nothing out there because no tailgating is allowed. It's, it's going to be different. 
Definitely. They even had on the local news, please do not come out unless you have tickets. Don't come to Notre Dame. So, I mean, it'll be wild, but again, let's get back to big picture. Thank God we have Notre Dame football game day today. Yeah, I mean, that is the big picture, and uh, you would imagine the students are going to be excited to be there and try to make an atmosphere. We saw the videos this week uh, of what happened uh, at Army, and they had a really cool scene uh, for, for their game that the the cadets there were able to really rally the troops and and provide a good atmosphere. So hopefully that's the case because I imagine the student body really wants to see uh, football being played as well. Yeah, and it may tie their relationship even closer. I mean, again, with all of this uh, protocol and everything, it's going to be a a unique year in team building and atmosphere. Everything will be different. The only constant will be just actually playing the game, which is refreshing. Uh, Rover Jeremiah Wusukamoa and captain and offensive lineman Robert Hainsey were asked this week about what the atmosphere will be like. I think it will be different for any of us. You know, we go back to high school and you go back to Little League football. You know what I mean? And look how much energy it was then. <laughs> still exciting, still, uh, you know, power packed. And it, it was still a good experience. So uh, we'll, we'll take our preparation and we'll put that to use. Uh, it'll be a good game, and it'll be full of energy uh, and full of loud noises, <laughs> hopefully. I am so excited to play in Notre Dame Stadium this year. I couldn't – I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I mean, there was a time this year when we didn't even know we were playing football. And after last year and, fit, like, my last uh, snap last year being in Notre Dame Stadium versus Virginia Tech and all the questions this year about am I going to play, I was like, man, is that, was that my last college snap ever? I mean, I don't care. I don't care if there's no one in the fan. And it's, not, it's like a scrimmage. The fact that we get to play football is such a blessing this year. And anyone who's upset that the fans is different, I, I can't. I don't know where they're coming from. It's just, it's so exciting that we get to play football this year. That's all that. That's all that matters to me. And I think that's all that matters to my teammates. And we're just gonna go make the most of it, especially the guys who's last year. It is. Jeremiah Wusukamoa and then Robert Hainsey. Hainsey coming off a season-ending injury a year ago after he uh, refer- that he referenced there. And, and I think that's the point, right, Kevin? Uh, it's still football. They get to still play it. They get to play it in front of a crowd. It's not going to be as big as they usually play it in front of, but it's going to be still bigger than one. It's still probably the biggest crowd they would have played of before they got to college, unless they're someone from Texas that would have played in front of like 18,000 at some point. Yeah, and I think, again, that whole thing of just being thankful to be able to play. But growing up, yeah, you you line up and you go and you play. I was crazy enough as a player that I actually enjoyed practice as much as the games. (laughs) So, I mean, it it can be exciting. I think the atmosphere, not a big deal. I think the the, the strangest part will be, you know, the here come the Irish pregame. It it just won't feel as as electric. But I think once you get into the game, like you said, it it just becomes football. So I think they'll get – They'll be able to to channel that in pretty quickly. Definitely. Well, and again, it's a good atmosphere, but hey, the thing that matters is what happens on the field. Yeah, all right. So who is this year's team? Chase Claypool, gone. Offensive coordinator Chip Long is gone. Tommy Reese, the new offensive coordinator, he will call the plays. He did so in the bowl game. Ian Book, back for his third year. What's the identity of this team Probably a lot harder to gauge this year than any other year because of the limitations COVID presented. But here's what Brian Kelly had to say. Strong leadership. Um, I think we have young players that are going to contribute. Uh, This is going to be a long year, one that's going to require a lot of players to be actively involved in what we're doing. So I think we see uh, a group that has a lot of experience coming back, but that you're going to see some young players, um, you know, uh, be part of this as well. Um, I think defensively, uh, I think I mentioned this, I, I like uh, the athleticism and the speed. And then from uh, an offensive standpoint, um, you know, the physicality, especially, you know, when we, we deal with, uh, you know, the, the group that we have coming back on the offensive line. And then the young players, you got running back Chris Tyree, tight end Michael Mayer, wide receiver Jordan Johnson, all the guys that uh, so many are, are looking forward to seeing. But but it's going to be different. But when you have everyone back on the offensive line, Kevin, uh, actually, in a way, they have six starters back on the offensive line because Josh Lug st- started a lot of games, and that's going to that's gonna help them as well this year. But it all starts with you, you got the offensive line back, 
you got a third-year starting quarterback back. Um, that's a lot of good leadership right there when you have the, that combination. For sure. Well, and I think program-wide, you know, offensive line has been a strength um, routinely now. I think it's pretty consistent. You can count on it to have those guys with experience. And then, again, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Ian Book fan. I don't know if my in my lifetime I've seen uh, a handful of guys – again, at Notre Dame that can command that quarterback position, and especially now with the game being so quarterback-oriented. Uh, so, yeah, you got the core quarterback and the O-line. That's it's an exciting thing. And then plug in some new people around them. It's great. It'll be exciting. Yeah, the, the thing that'll be interesting will be surrounding them. Uh, the wide receivers has been – Big question mark because you're losing Chase Claypool. He was huge. And Fink, and they've they've they they they're at least a start in week one, and we don't know how much maybe this is COVID related or not, but they're going with more of the veterans than some of the younger guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that'll be interesting there as well. But you know, with the Irish in the ACC, that's also going to be very interesting this year. Ten games versus ACC opponents, one non non conference game next week against South Florida. Clemson, the big one, of course, at Notre Dame Stadium on November 7th. Notre Dame can play for the ACC championship this year. So, no question, it's going to be a different year. We don't know if they'll get all 11 games in or not. Obviously, we certainly are hopeful of that situation. And the way Notre Dame is handling things, you would think that Notre Dame is going to be able to be able to play. It's just whether or not everyone else will be able to play as well. But I think this will be a very intriguing year. What were your thoughts when you heard they're going in the ACC? Because so many people are like, oh, you should be independent. You should be independent. But they really didn't have a choice for this year. they got forced into it. But I think it's for one year, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, and again, we just talked about the uh, offensive line strength. So we're one of the Midwest teams playing, <laughs> and there's great linemen in the Midwest, and Nordame has done a great job with their um, offensive line as far as the program. So it's exciting, and let's be honest, Clemson, they and the ACC have done a really, really good job in recent history, so they're fun to watch. It raises the level of everybody. It'll be you know, fun and weird, just like 2020 is – shown up to be so far i did you say 2020 has been fun well it's game day i'm in a great mood super positive okay okay Uh, our poll question if nd plays all 11 games how many games does it win go to twitter.com slash ange to vote leave a comment with your answer and reason why and we could read it later on in the show right now uh no surprise 10 and 1 is the heavy favorite. All right, Fort Wayne native Ben Skoranek transferred from Northwestern. I mentioned those wide receivers uh, kind of taking things over. He He's a big body wide receiver who sh- from Homestead uh, High School in Fort Wayne. Uh, they had a big win over Dwanger last night um, uh, in overtime, triple overtime, I think it was. So uh, he's probably happy about that, but he gets to make his Notre Dame debut uh, today. And with Kevin Austin out to start the season, Skoranek could lead the team in receptions this year. Here's what Ian Book and Brian Kelly had to say about Ben Skoranek. Ben's been great. Um, just another big body receiver. Um, you know, I feel he's really rangy. He can, you know, make a lot of catches. Um, makes my job a lot easier. And uh, honestly, his leadership's been great. That's really what I've noticed. Did some things in the summer um, that were um, – as good, if not better, than what we had seen here in years relative to his work volume. Uh, built relationships with Ian Book and the other receivers. Um, so it, here's a guy with a personality that um, was outgoing, uh, immediately looking to build relationships. He wasn't a guy that talked a lot. Uh, he let his actions speak for themselves, which I thought was a great way for him to immediately build respect with his peers uh, by his actions, not by his words. Uh, and then he slowly has kind of, you know, started to speak up a little bit. And, and I think that that's been, you know, appropriate because he's he's earned his right to do so. That's Ian Book and Brian Kelly talking about Ben Skoranek. And uh, he will he would have a new role this year as, you know, maybe the go to wide receiver for Notre Dame. But that's that's a great sign when you have a guy that transfers and is immediately turned into a leader on your team, especially in this era yeah. when he, he might not have been able to make as many connections, but he flew out to California. He worked out with Ian Book in the offseason. Those guys are already close, which is great to see. A local guy, so that's exciting, obviously, with Fort Wayne. But it's good to see, um, see them connect, so that's great. Now, the other thing I will say about the wide receivers, obviously, Britton Lindsay not starting, Lawrence Keyes not starting. There you go with Avery Davis. Um, 
you know, and Javon McKinley. I, I was surprised by that. Again, we don't know. Notre Dame's been really COVID clean so far this year. You know, the testing numbers, they haven't released the latest ones, but obviously they're set to play in a game today, so uh, things should be clean. But, you know, only 12 positive tests since June, 99% negativity rate. But there have been guys that have had to quarantine because of contact tracing. So we don't know if there's been guys that, you know, miss time in camp and, you know, and just are behind on you know getting reps and that plays a factor if you if you had to sit out a week or two of practice that can affect the depth chart quite a bit yeah huge impact well and they again as a program and brian kelly they like to throw a lot to the boundary and they typically have a big rangy guy there so chase claypool is a hard guy to uh follow but it sounds like just the fit of ben um will work well (laughs) No question about that. All right, did you know that Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the largest Catholic credit union in the United States? Notre Dame FCU has served over 800 Catholic entities in over 25 dioceses nationwide. These include colleges, parishes, schools, food pantries, homeless shelters, and Catholic radio stations, including Redeemer Radio. Member-owned, not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. All right. Coming up, Mike Golick Jr. is our guest in our Focus on Faith interview. But up next, we talk about the Irish captains and Dalen Hayes in particular, where he's coming from a year ago as a leader. His reaction to that question, a must-listen. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Great, great night of high school football last night in both Michigan and Northeast Indiana, but be sure to tune in next Friday night on 95.7 FM. Our Tyrac Game of the Week is Marion on the road at Adams. We'll also have a video stream of the broadcast at facebook.com slash 95.7 sports. Over in Fort Wayne, Lures and Northside will air on Friday night. Dwenger and Carroll will air next Saturday night. Tailgate Talk airing in both Michigan and Fort Wayne next Friday at 6 p.m. We are... Next week will be, we will be at the halfway point of the high school football season. Kind of hard to imagine, but today we are at the opening point for uh, the Notre Dame football season. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey here with you on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. As we get you set for uh, Notre Dame's home opener and season opener against Duke uh, and the Irish with three returning captain or two returning captains this year both on offense quarterback Ian Book and offensive lineman Robert Hainsey three new captains on defense defensive lineman Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogundeje and safety Sean Crawford uh Crawford he's been around forever Kevin uh this is now his sixth year a lot of injuries yeah. really cool to see him get the nod as a as a starter well, and he's just overcome so much. Um, again, in theory, he would be replacing uh, 11 Gilman, who was really good and went to the NFL. My personal uh, favorite because of his impact, I think, on the defense. But he's going to be right alongside with probably the most exciting player uh, from last year as far as a freshman, Cal Hamilton, 14. So it'll be exciting. And the height difference between I can't uh, imagine. Hamilton <laughs> and Sean Crawford, they're going to look like uh, like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in Twins, <laughs> the, the difference in height. But Crawford can go, and he's the starting safety this year, which is interesting because, you know, he was a uh, corner guy, a cover guy. Forever. And now he wins the job at safety, moves over there, and has done a great job. Here's what uh, Dalen Hayes and Sean Crawford had to say about being named team captains. I don't know if there's ever been anything in my life that I've been more proud of, um, aside from choosing to come to Notre Dame. Um, this is this is when you choose to come to a place like this that's so special um, and, and be given the opportunity to serve your teammates um, as a captain, um, your, your, your organization, your university. Um, it's, a, it's a great honor. Um, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, I'm excited and I'm and I'm ready to lead and I'm ready to serve my teammates. So I'm just grateful for 
the opportunity, grateful for these group of guys um, who voted for me. Um, a lot of a lot of people uh, or a lot of the teammates that I have currently um, weren't with me um, when I got here on campus. And so for me to just make an impact on the new guys and um, still have a voice and still be a leader um, in the locker room to, to many to many of the young guys and then some of the guys who were also here with me um, throughout this journey. Um, I'm just grateful and I'm honored um, this this summer, this or this whole year, honestly, um, has been a tough one for all of us. It's been a different one. And so um, my leadership had to step up and I was I was I answered the call and I was just grateful to be in this leadership role um, to have a lot of young guys in the um, DB room. And so I was able to lead them um, first and then just carry on to like the to next group of the defense and then talk to who else, whoever else needed me. So I'm just excited. That was uh, Dalen Hayes first, then Sean Crawford. Uh, you know, the funny thing about what Crawford mentioned there was that uh, not many players were here when he got to Notre Dame, yet not one player was here <laughs> when he got to Notre Dame because he's a sixth year. Uh, that doesn't happen. So uh, his first year back, it, it was in 2015. So uh, interesting perspective there from uh, from from Sean Crawford. And, and again, really cool to see that he's been named a captain. All right. As for Dalen Hayes... You know, here here's a guy who a year ago, you know, was supposed to be his last year, was a backup behind two excellent now NFL defensive linemen in Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem. Mm -hmm. Then Hayes suffered that season ending injury. A and Kevin, you know, you're you're an older guy, a backup, you suffer a season ending injury. You, you gotta could be thinking this is it. <laughs> you could you could easily fade away yep. in the distance and just not care anymore. And this guy hasn't done that. You know, as a former coach yourself, it has to be really cool to see someone who steps up his game, mm -hmm. you know, after injury and becomes an even bigger leader. Well, and I used to tell my team that the only part about football that is unpleasant really is the injury. But some of the best lessons as far as being a person and personal growth can come from that. Um, and it, both these guys, what a great uh, example of being able to overcome, which, again, we're going to have to tap into for 2020. All right. So we mentioned Dalen Hayes talking about, you know, his uh, his progression over the last year, been so vocal as anyone in the offseason as a leader. Now he's a starter and a cornerstone on defense. I asked a question that sparked a really long answer from Dalen about where he's come from this time last year to this time this year. Who was I a year ago? Uh, I was a, was a backer. I was a role player uh, playing behind two great uh, two great captains and uh, defensive ends, Julian and Khalid, last year. I was just – I was having fun. I was having fun with the game. I was um, rediscovering my love for the game. Um, I was having fun. I was playing playing good ball. I think I was – you know, at this point last year, what was this, like maybe week two? So I was probably – I was playing my best ball that I had um, up to in my career. Um, you know, obviously two weeks later I ended up being hurt, but – uh, I was fine. Like, I was good. I was good with it. I, had, I knew I had another opportunity to come back uh, to be with my brothers. Um, I felt like I owed – I felt like um, one thing that I that, that stuck in my head last year and I was kind of disappointed about was that I felt that I, I had more to give to this university and to this team. Um, I felt like I had a lot more in the tank um, from the leadership aspect, from a player aspect, uh, from a student aspect, um, just being involved in our community of Notre Dame. Um, in the community of South Bend, I just felt like there was so much more left on the table for me to give. And, and sure enough, God gave me another opportunity, another year to, to come back, um, to be involved in the community, to stand up for what was right with our team. Our team stood for, for social justice, and we continue to stand for that, being involved in our community, being involved with countless, countless organizations throughout, throughout campus and whatnot. And then obviously, like, coming to this point of being a captain right now. Um, so, I mean, I felt like God was speaking to my heart last year and just... I didn't know how it would play out. <laughs> it came through by way of a, a shoulder injury um, on the on, on the first play against Virginia last year. For me, my first play against Virginia last year, and um, I'm just so grateful for, for for that for that for that moment. You know, at the time it was it was heartbreaking. My season was over, but God has turned that around into a magnificent victory, and I'm so grateful for it. And I owe him all the credit, and I owe the, my teammates. Um, the rest of the credit because you know without them without the grace of god without my brothers um and without the, our coaches and, and my support staff my parents um i wouldn't be here and, and that's just the god's honest truth i, I wouldn't be here i would have i would have been broken i would have been 
I would have been discouraged. Like it, it would have been too much like for me to handle, but I, I relied on my brothers. I relied on my family. I relied on my coaches. I relied on my faith. Um, and I stand before you today. Some pretty powerful yeah. words there from Dalen Hayes, Kevin. Your thoughts? Very impressive. Uh, I guess just his his faith, and then also just the maturity to uh, again learn those lessons at the a really low time, but to to rise up. And it sounds like um, man, he's gonna be fun one to watch. We'll have to see. They've done such a good job in recent years of defensive line rotation that they have some depth and good recruiting. So it, it should be exciting. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the things I love about the show. You get to learn more about the guys on the field that guy looks exciting yeah and and certainly off the field he's done such a great job and and you see him giving a credit to his faith and that's uh that's great to see as mm -hmm. well speaking of faith the intersection of faith football and family is kind of like one of our big themes here on uh irish sports saturdays noted federal credit unions irish sports saturdays and our focus on faith interview with former irish offensive lineman mike golick jr is coming up next he dives into the return of college football how his catholic faith guides him now as a radio host for espn that's next on notre dame federal credit unions irish sports saturdays on redeemer radio what's the difference between notre dame federal credit union and a bank well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michigan. The students receive practical college-level internship experience. Helping out with our broadcasts of high school football wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. All right, it is time now for focus on faith and uh, Mike Golick Jr. our guest uh, this week and and Kevin obviously uh, you know had a had a very good career at Notre Dame maybe start off slowly but then got to be a starter in, mm -hmm. in his final year and I think he's a great example of someone who you know you're backup all the way through and then you get an opportunity late and he made the most of it he played on a team that played for a national championship so uh, you know that perseverance, though, was huge, and now we're seeing that in his professional career because yeah. he, he's now a, a main host at, at ESPN Radio. Well, and again, football does offer you all sport, I guess, can offer you a lot of ways to grow as a person. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that perseverance is probably one of the best qualities you can have, right? And he definitely has. He comes from a family that has it. Son of former Notre Dame standout Mike Golick. And, of course, uh, his mom, Christine Golick, had mom and dad on this Focus on Faith interview in the past. Junior, again, a starting offensive lineman on the 2012 Irish football team that played for the national title. Now a radio host at ESPN. Talks about how his Catholic faith guides him as a host. His memories from 2012. His favorite spot on campus. And, of course, the return of college football. Here's Focus on Faith with Mike Golick Jr. on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. All right, Mike, first of all, college football is back. I know you've been very vocal on social media, you know, on your radio show, discussing all this. Uh, are you amazed that, that we are finally here and that Notre Dame football is going to play a game here against Duke? I am. There was a, a, a lot of times over the course of this summer and even heading into this fall where, the situation looked difficult. We know that Notre Dame, uh, for a while, even on their campus, was dealing with a lot of adversity when it came to the virus and trying to, to go about life in a college environment responsibly in the middle of a global pandemic, which sounds like it's almost counterintuitive. But I give a lot of credit to everybody involved, and especially the players and the coaches, the, the support staffs, everyone that you know, I know is a part of the operation and making something as complex as a football program go for, for doing so much hard work and doing so much diligent work. You know, I, I, uh, I've had a lot of vocal qualms and, and certainly some debates about whether or not football should be played during all this, if it is safe. But you've seen the one thing that shines through is how much it matters to so many people and the willingness of the players, coaches, and everyone involved to go above and beyond in all of the normal things that make great teams, the selflessness, the attention to detail, 
and applying all of those same things that will ultimately make a team successful in a normal year be able to go about and operate safely with the best interest of everyone's health and well-being in a very different sense in one of the most stressful years anyone's ever seen. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays was a starting offensive lineman on the 2012 Notre Dame football team that played for the national championship. Uh, Mike, take us back to to that season uh, and how special that was to be a part of that. You kind of mentioned that you were a late bloomer. You know, you didn't you didn't get to play too much uh, as you know as an underclassman. Then suddenly you get thrust into a starting role, and and there you are getting a chance to play for a national championship. What was that experience like? Looking back at it now, you know, eight eight years removed. Yeah, you know, I, I always remind myself because the tendency is to look back on it with a lot of rose colored glasses. There were a lot of hard days in that, and like you mentioned, I didn't go into that year, you know, I'm playing with Braxton Cave who started for multiple years, Zach Martin and Chris Watt, who were holding it down on the left side of that line. And obviously what Zach's done since there. And so for me and Christian Lombard on the right side of that line, there were some growing pains and Harry Heastan, who's you know the best coach I've ever had on any level was also someone with an incredibly high standard. And so going in every day, you felt the pressure to meet that standard. We knew what was on the line and what we thought we were capable of. So I always remind myself that the beauty of that season and the reason that I remember it so fondly now is because it took so much hard work. And there were days where it was a grind and you felt like it was more of a job than anything else. But those are the things that are necessary. And I think that's one of the things I always took, which is anything in life that's of any value is going to take at times repetition, doing the right thing over and over again in the dark when nobody's watching so that you can reap the results when you've got a stadium around you all of a sudden that's decided to pay attention. And I know that's bled over into my work life, but getting to do that and enjoy it with the guys that I did, the teammates that we had that are still some of my closest friends, guys that I keep in touch with, having those memories of some of the big time stages we got to play on during the course of that season, I think all of those things, and especially now working in sports media, they're all the things I draw on so readily because you you kind of remind yourself every once in a while what it's like to be in those shoes and in those moments as you get ready to cover athletes that are going through them in real time now. Got a favorite spot on campus? I I mean, it's, I always tell people, you play the hits when you go back to Notre Dame. I was, you know, back out there briefly this summer before a a lot of COVID-19 made traveling a little more difficult I just got to spend some time out there by myself, and I go to the grotto. I go by the lakes. I bike over by campus, and I see all those spots. You know, I I always tell people the the coolest thing about the grotto to me is that I've never been there alone. Like I, I have been there at every hour, every you know season, every time of year, and really every circumstance, whether it's been joy or sorrow. And you're never there alone. There's always somebody else down there coming to try and have a moment to themselves and be in a spot where they can you know just have a few minutes of quiet and i think you know when you're when you're in college there you've got so much going on that you're trying to balance on campus that it's sort of a respite and when you leave and you're a graduate you come back and it's a spot where you can kind of reconnect in the same way a spot that's still kind of yours in the way that the rest of campus isn't anymore you know the rest of campus belongs to the 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 kids that are there now and, and rightly so but you can kind of come back and intersect with that one spot that always just it feels a little, you know, it feels a little more down there. Everything feels a little more down there. You went to Catholic high school, obviously went to Catholic University at Notre Dame. Just having that education, how how have you benefited from having that Catholic education that you had, Mike? Yeah, I, I think there are so many elements of, of, of growing up. And, you know, I, I grew up and was raised Roman Catholic. And just, I, I think the foundations and kind of the pillars you get to build your life around when, when faith is at the core of, you know, certainly both your personal life, but also your learning when a lot of those same elements and tenets that make, you know, religion such a strong foundation for so many people can be woven into the curriculum at certain times, can be a part of your day where you can have classes where you're learning more about that. And just that opportunity to kind of constantly be reminded, all right, here are the things that I believe and here's how those intersect with the things that I'm learning about other subjects, the things that I'm learning about life. And so, making sure I was always grounded. You know, service was something that becomes very big through the course of uh, uh, faith-based education. And that's something that, you know, from I was in high school to the time I was at Notre Dame, having that sort of, you know, feeling of obligation and duty to others that comes from that, I, I think 
is a huge thing that I've noticed in a lot of my peers also that, you know, whether it was going through Catholic high school and, you know, Catholic education before that and through my time at Notre Dame has tended to be the, the biggest thing that resonates later on in life is it really does make you so accountable to other people and understand that your duty is to make sure that, you know, everyone around you gets, you know, gets a great opportunity and feels supported and, and you know, the least, you know, we're only the best when the least of us feel like they're the most. And, and I just think that dedication to service was really something that always resonated with me through the course of that. And then, you know, obviously we're going through COVID for what feels like forever. There's been racial injustice in our country that, that so many people have been speaking out about. How do you maybe weigh that with your faith and and try to find the the answers to guide you especially as someone who's now got a prominent voice on on you know national radio um as you deliver your message of what you think is going on and what what is right and wrong and what we have to do as as a society to be in a better place yeah i i mean i think one of the other important tenets is if you know if you if you believe that everyone is made in god's likeness and the, the things that come along with that then seeing and valuing everyone's experience and understanding, you know, the unique gifts that everyone brings to the table. The one thing I always told myself was, oh, you can only, you know, I have certain gifts. I have certain things that come along with my life experience, but that's a limited scope. And if I'm, you know, humble enough to listen to others and hear their perspectives, I can learn a lot from that. And having the opportunity to listen to a lot of my teammates, a lot of people that I got to know as I grew older who came from different backgrounds, who experienced some of the things and some of the evils that we're seeing pop up through the course of a summer like this. That's the experience I draw on is, all right, I may not know what this looks like personally, but I have heard so much of these experiences and I've allowed myself to listen and to understand that so many people I'm close with and love who have dealt with the experiences that a lot of people in black America have have told me these things as they've come up and have expressed and shared their pain with me. And what a, you know, what a gift and what an honor for someone to trust you with some of the most painful moments of their life as they reach out and try and say, listen to me, hear me. I, I, I need help in all of this and trying to just be an ally through the course of that, trying to, to help in the spots that we can, because none of the problems and, and issues that have come up this summer should fall squarely on the shoulders of any one group of people. It shouldn't be black America's job to, to fix the problems and the ills that have plagued this country for a long time. It should be on all of us to care enough about our fellow man to say, I'm not going to sit idly by and let these things continue to happen. Mike Golick Jr., former Notre Dame offensive lineman from 2012's National Championship bound team, and then also the host now of Chinny and Golick Jr. on ESPN Radio joining us here. You know, one of the things I like about this uh, interview segment, Mike, is the fact that I feel like it's the intersection of family, faith, and and football. And obviously you have a very close-knit family in so many ways. And nothing was maybe a better example of that was then was the, the goodbye for your dad on uh, Golik and Wingo as he signed off from the mornings in ESPN Radio. And, and you almost made it, but in those last two minutes, what you said was very powerful and, and it, it teared you up as you thanked your dad for all he's done. How difficult was that moment and did you think you were actually going to avoid crying uh, you know what it's one of those things where I, I had an idea of what i wanted to say and you know radio is you know uh, you know one part planning and then two parts basically living in the moment and kind of reacting on the fly and that turned into a lot more reacting on the fly when i made eye contact with my mom who is <laughs> one of the foremost priors our nation knows let alone in my family but uh no, I always kind of knew it was going to be emotional. I, I, I thought that was important. Like, from the time my dad started doing radio when I was a little kid, we were all told, you know, this is going to be a show that's just as much about family as it is about sports. And radio is a very personal medium like that. So you kind of have to make that decision whether you're going to be in, all in or all out. And my dad and our family were all in from that time period. And so if it had started and always been a family show, why should it not end that way? And, and you know, we all sit around now, and I think we've had a lot of time to think during the course of what's happened in the last couple of months in a way that's been different from any time before. And during that time period, I keep coming back to, you know, we, we, we end up saying so many goodbyes and leaving so many things unsaid. Like, why not give people flowers when you still have the chance? Why not, you know, tell the man who's been your hero your whole life that he is and, and take that opportunity to show everyone? Like, that's, you know, 
that's something we can do. It's okay. You can, you can go on national TV and national radio and cry and hang out with your family and, you know, remind people that we're just like everybody else. Like we're, we're a family that has our issues and has our fights and arguments, but also has a lot of laughs and a lot of good times. And at the end of the day, the foundation of all of it is we love the hell out of each other. And, and I, I think that was kind of the, the cool part about that moment. You know, I, I meant everything I said, we, we, as I said, when we turned off the microphones, I spent the entire weekend with my family. Like that was the best part of it. And, you know, we got to share a, an even more intimate moment with a whole audience full of people that had grown to really love my dad in a way that was cool to see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if uh, those listening have not seen that, uh, just you know, search it out on YouTube. It's it's just an incredibly powerful uh, two minutes between you know a, a son, a dad, a mom. And uh, sister and brother, you know, it, it was just really special. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Uh, you get your own show now. <laughs> it, it was, you know, Golick and Wingo, and, and you were the third wheel there a little bit. Now it's Chinny and Golick Jr. You get your official name uh, on there. Uh, what's this transition been like, and, and how much are you enjoying having officially your own show? Yeah, it's been really exciting. It's been super interesting. And I think everything that I've been through up until this point, and certainly growing up watching my dad lead a show and lead, you know, the biggest morning sports talk radio show on the national stage that we'll probably ever see, like getting to see him lead in all those ways has been super helpful now as I kind of go out on my own. And listen, I'm super fortunate. Like today's a rock star. Like she's such a, a gifted analyst and such a fun person and you talk about you know what i just said being open and being willing to kind of live your life very publicly she's done that as an athlete she was a number one overall pick and an all-american and all these great things when she was playing at stanford and you know she's a, a been an all-star in the WNBA now and plays with her sister so she understands family and athletics and the way that all these things can cross over together and so i just think that pairing having someone now who you know is is around my age it just allows us to, to do some pretty fun things and to grow together and learn in all of this. And so there are so many ways it's different. I was working with my dad and Trey, who are two multi-decade veterans in this field and who knew so much that I was trying to just tap into. And now we get to sort of, you know, make mistakes going 100 miles an hour, kind of the old sports cliche, but that's what we're both used to. And so we, we, we try and bring that mentality each and every day and know if we're going to mess up, we're going to do it full speed. Finally, uh, you know, obviously, we've gotten used to watching sports on TV where there haven't been fans. But two thirty kickoff, Notre Dame Duke is it going to be weird seeing only about fifteen thousand people at Notre Dame Stadium? It's going to be very, very strange. I had the opportunity to call what, what you know was technically the first college football game back. It was Central Arkansas and Austin P, so an, F- an FCS matchup, but still one. There were only I think five thousand people in attendance, maybe even less than that. Seeing the, the shots of people sparsely spread out, socially distanced throughout the stands, and we know for Notre Dame it's going to be that way for the students and the, the, the faculty and the people around campus that have the opportunity to be there. But uh, I think for us at home, we've gotten sort of used to that experience. I'm sure for the players it'll be a bit of a jolt at first, but at the same time, I always said, when you get out there in between the white lines and you've got a 300-pound a guy who's in my case, was a better athlete than you trying to come across and you know run through you on the way to hitting one of your buddies. It's amazing how quickly you can snap into form and all of a sudden self-preservation takes over <laughs> and gives you a fair amount of juice. So those guys will be excited. They've been working so long in such adverse circumstances to get to this point. It'll be great for them. And I think at this point for all of us, for anyone that you know has even felt conflicted, it's not because we don't love football and don't want to see it and that there won't be a ton of joy and just having something back that feels normal in a year that's been anything but. Mike, thank you so much. Thanks, Angelo. Mike Golick Jr. joining us here on Focus on Faith and Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Just a great guy from a great family. Uh, uh, Kevin, your, your thoughts on what uh, some of the highlights were there from uh, Junior's interview? Well, I just think it was awesome. Again, I'm on that thankful <laughs> bandwagon, but to have the uh, – couple highlights just that the catholic education is great you can tell that just with his uh, upbringing and kind of his mentality to speak about the grotto again growing up in south bend that's another thing that i uh, take for granted and then I, a lesson learned uh hopefully my kids are listening 
is doing the repetition of doing the right thing when uh, no one's watching. So that's really powerful. But yeah, well, a great segment, great guy, faith, uh, family football. It's wonderful. And he 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 was. I'll just say this: he was not originally scheduled to be this week's interview, and uh, got a hold of him real quick, and he said, "Yep, let's do it." Because that's the type of family they are. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to have him on this year, but we sped that up a little quicker than usual <laughs> because of, of something else falling through. Uh, but uh, thanks again to Mike Golick Jr. for joining us here on Redeemer Radio. If you like all things Notre Dame, be sure to stay tuned for Church Life today. Coming up right after us, Lenny DiLorenzo of the McGrath Institute for Church Life is your host. That's next here on Redeemer Radio. All new episodes on Mondays at noon. And up next, it's our game day sprint as we get you set for Notre Dame and Duke. What to watch for our keys to the game, our predictions, and our season predictions. All of that when Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays returns on Redeemer Radio. We spend money on extras in our life. That extra cup of coffee. The extra screen on our Netflix subscription. Or that extra fee for faster shipping. But what if the bit of extra you give was more than a temporal gratification? By giving a little of your extra to Redeemer Radio, you are investing in the eternal. Souls are being changed every day because of what is being broadcast through the airwaves. Be a part of someone's conversion. Give a little extra to Redeemer Radio. All right, welcome back. It's time for our uh, game day sprint, as we like yeah, to as call usual. it. <laughs> Notre Dame, eleven and two a season ago, ranked tenth in the country in the preseason polls. Duke, five and seven, three and five in the ACC, seventh all-time meeting. Notre Dame leads the all-time series four to two. Irish won pretty easily. That was probably one of their most impressive games last year over Duke, thirty-eight to seven. Ian Book rushed for a career high one hundred and thirty-nine yards and. Through for four touchdowns. The Irish have won 18 straight home games, third longest home winning streak at Notre Dame since the stadium opened in 1930. I think, relatively speaking, Kevin, we feel like Notre Dame should win this one pretty easily, but Duke is better than a year ago, mainly because they got a lot of starters back. Yeah, uh, and they're better on defense than, you know, traditionally <laughs> they have a good defensive. Uh, Defensive ends or pass rush and then good corners, so good cover guys. That'll be uh, a lot better than last year, I would assume. And then also, you know, uh, Duke's quarter or Duke's coach, David Cutcliffe, he's an offensive guy. So to talk about their defense versus is a little weird. He has ties to Peyton Manning, and he's going to be back calling plays this year. Yeah, here's what Brian Kelly and Ian Book had to say about the Duke defense. Arguably, you know, could be one of the best uh, defensive backfields best tandem of corners maybe that we could see all year um, and and certainly off the edge um, you may not find um, as good a pass rushing combinations that we're going to see play a lot of man they play a lot of press coverage and you know that's basically saying hey we think our guys can beat you and um, it's up to our guys to get off the press at receiver um, and you know go up there and get the ball win that one-on-one matchup we do one-on-ones every day we work on that every day and you know, that's what they want to do, and they play a lot of games up front. You know, our line is ready for that. We see that a lot. They did that a lot to us last year, and um, I think, you know, they do that to try to, try to cause a lot of disruption up front. So, um, you know, we've been preparing for that. Lots of experience in the defensive backs. Uh, Marquise Waters, Michael Carter, three-year returning stars at safety. Interested to see what Mark Gilbert can bring. He's supposed to be an outstanding cornerback, but hasn't played in two years. His last game was September 9th of 2018 after suffering a hip injury. Uh, and, and, Kevin, you mentioned the defensive ends. They got a really good one in Chris Rumpf. Yeah, number uh, 96. Well, and again, Kelly said it, that they have a duo of them, so you have two people, but those, those guys are going to be tough. Yeah, he's a first-team All-American defensive lineman, considered one of the best in the country. Duke's offense, new quarterback this year in Clemson transfer, Chase Bryce. Here's what Sean Crawford had to say about Duke's offense. They have a lot of talent on the outside, for sure. Um, They're returning a lot of starters. Um, Their new new quarterback, he looks pretty good. Um, I think they'll try to throw the ball a little bit more um, just because of the the switch um, at quarterback. And the veterans and receivers that they have, they have a lot of speed on the outside. They have a, a great tight end um, and a pretty good running back. So I think I think they're a well a, a well versed um, offense. And it'll be interesting to see how Chase Bryce does. Obviously, the backup to Trevor Lawrence now getting his opportunity for Duke. 
Well, and Clemson obviously does it right with uh, recruiting, so I'm sure he's a great player. The the kind of sneaky stat that I'm interested in is they have four or five offensive linemen returning from last year. Yeah, absolutely. And a good running back. All right, what worries you most if uh, if you're Duke coach David Cutcliffe? Well, you're just going up against a pretty strong program with, again, a great core O-line, quarterback returning, good D-line. Ugh, I, I guess – I'd be a little nervous that Brian Kelly's eight and two for season openers. They're, they're just up against a better team. I would, I just would be nervous. It's going to re, be a repeat of 2019. What worries you if you're Brian Kelly? Well, I think just the unknown. The season yep. opener um, again, 2020. It's challenging, right? Uh, game prediction. I think they're going to score more than last year, so 45 uh, to 14 because it's an opener. Notre yep. Dame. All right, I'll go with Notre Dame over Duke 38-10. to 10. Our poll question was, assuming Notre Dame plays all 11 games of its regular season, what do you think their record would be? 48% said 10-1. 20% said 11-0. That means a win over Clemson. 20% said 9-2. 12% said 8-3 or worse. Doug Hefferin said, I say 10-1. Clemson is really the only losable game on the schedule. I feel like... And if that's the only game, we will lose easily uh, looking like a rematch in the ACC championship. And then uh, Jerry wrote in, I think 10-3, and three, two close losses to Clemson, still make the playoff, then lose again. I don't know about that, but what's your season prediction, Kevin? It's Catholic radio station, on. I say undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going with the victory over over Clemson in, on November, in November. All right. Well, we'll, we'll Hope see. Hope springs that's... eternal before the first game. Well, but it, Clemson's it, really good. Yes. I'm going to go with 10-1. and one. I'm not going out on the limb. Probably it's, more realistic. Yeah. It's going to be that scenario where they probably lose to Clemson. All right. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ilya Glasman and Aaron Rorick. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo, Notre Dame and and Duke will kick off at 2.30 p.m. today. You can watch locally on WNDU. We'll, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally show, close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, may we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game.